This is the Fed and Fit Podcast, starting your week off with motivational thoughts on real food and fun fitness activities with Cassie Joy Garcia and co-host Carissa Talbot. Remember our disclaimer, the information and opinions shared in this podcast are solely those of any given individual and not a substitute for medical advice. And here are the ladies. Today we're going to talk about where caffeine comes from, what happens in your body when you consume it, health benefits plus some potential dangers, and my caffeine challenge for you. Good morning, Carissa. Good morning, Cassie. (laughs) How are you today? I'm great. I've got my cold brew coffee in my hand, drinking it, enjoying it. Oh, that's lovely. Um, (laughs) Mine's already in my belly. Ah, Gotcha. (laughs) I've moved on to water. Beat Um, me to the punch. Yes. I'm so excited to get to the meat of the conversation today. Um, We get to put on our fun science hats, and that's just going to be really thrilling. Uh, But before we get to that, I would like to talk a little bit about some girl talk. Um, Did you hear the new intro music for the podcast? Right. How amazing is that? Isn't it so stinking cute? It's very very Texas, you know, which (laughs) is fitting. Texas slash maybe one day Nashville. Uh, right. Um, if you if, if you're curious, that lovely harmonica ditty is, uh, I have to give credit to my sister, Kimberly Dunn. And if you liked it, you can find her on iTunes and Spotify and all the music outlets. She's great. She's got some awesome tunes out there. And that song is from, or that ditty is from uh, one of her songs called Common as the Rain. So anyways, wanted to give a shout out to Kimberly. Thanks for providing us with some music. Thank you, um, Kimberly. We love you. <laughs> um, okay. So next up, I wanted to quickly touch on this. I wanted to give a shout out to the May group for my Fed and Fit project. As per the usual, these people are totally blowing me away. They, you know, it, this, the, the nature of this project, the self-study is that it kind of creates, takes on a life of its own, you know, when you really jump into the material and you start really digging into the journaling process, people come up with their own realizations and that's really, that's the purpose of it. Um, and we're on day, you know, we're in our first week, I guess, of the project and folks are already having these amazing revelations and it's just blowing me away. I'm so excited for it. So, um, I'm going to actually announce the next group, the June group, um, open enrollment will start for that on this week's newsletter. So if you're interested, keep an eye on the newsletter and I'm going to open it for um, just a couple of weeks, and then enrollment is closed until the next month. So this is something that interests you. Keep your eyes on your newsletter. Um, And if you do not get my newsletter, you can easily sign up for it via my website. There's a little red box on the right-hand side of the website that says sign up for the Real Food Truth newsletter. Um, And I will occasionally send you really fun uh, information-packed articles similar to the content of today's podcast. Um, And then you'll also get those insider invitations to things that are going on. So anyways, that is all of my girl talk, Krissa. What's (laughs) going on 
in your neck of the woods? Well, last time we recorded, I was sitting in a very empty space um, that didn't have anything in it but a little table and a little desk I had set up, um, an outdoor table and desk, actually, because I had nothing in here. But now I am all moved into my new place. I am unpacked. I am organized. And it just feels good. I do not work well in unorganized, chaotic spaces. So, um, yeah, this week has been a challenge because it's like still trying to get all of my work hours in. And then when I'm not working, I'm was trying to like get everything unpacked and organized so that I could work even more efficiently. So I had like a big sigh of relief the other day because it's finally done. Everything's in its quote unquote place. And yes, I am a little type A when it comes to that stuff. So (laughs) (laughs) nothing wrong with that. I completely understand it. We moved into our house about a year ago now. And you know, it's, it's interesting if you, uh, a friend of mine was a interior decorator for a, a spell and is still very talented and has an eye for that. His name is Steven. And if he's listening, which would actually surprise me, um, <laughs> shout out. Hey, Steven. Uh, hey, Steven. Um, it, Steven once told me uh, when it came to decorating because I was a little overwhelmed at the idea of decorating a whole house. I was like, how does everything go together? <laughs> and he always told me, he says, if you just choose things that you like, then eventually it'll all go together and it'll make sense when it's all done. And I didn't really, it's kind of jumping in with blind faith. It's like, well, I like this table and I I like those chairs, you know, and you just put them together and lo and behold, your taste actually is its own signature vision. And I'm now at the stage where, you know, a year later, things are finally starting to slowly come into um, view of their own style. And it's so fun. So anyways, I say this because it's, pretty much the exact opposite, I think, of where you're at. It's taken me a year to almost get to that stage, but, you know. Well, when you live in a one-room studio, you know, (laughs) this is is the thing. And, you know, it felt so good because, so I had all my stuff in a storage unit in Houston because I moved to Austin a year and a half ago with just what would fit in my car. Um, So I left, like, my quote-unquote life in a storage unit in Houston and I brought it all here, and it felt so good to, like, goodwill almost all of it. Like, I just, it just made me feel like, you know what, I, I've been living without this stuff for a year and a half, and most of it I didn't even need anymore. A lot of it was just stuff I was just kind of hanging on to. So, so I am happy to have all of my friends back with me, i.e. all of my books. I have way too many, but that's something I wasn't willing to, to purge. So, But the nice thing I have found about living in a small space is it kind of forces you to stay really organized and it forces you to not keep as much stuff or things around. And it feels really good, so I'm really enjoying it. And I think this is a a good step towards me actually, you know, owning a tiny home one day, which I want to do. And this is kind of like an in-between. So I feel like it's a good good place to start and kind of feel that out, you know, the small living. Um, So, and I don't mind having everything in one room. It's, it's kind of nice. Let me tell you, the walk to the fridge is really short when you get a craving. (laughs) It's awesome. (laughs) well good oh that's great I'm excited for you I love living in you know 
succinct places. Um, I just, I don't know, for whatever reason, it feels so homey and, and lovely. So that's great. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Yes. Well, that's all my girl talk. I am excited for our topic today, and we have so much information to go over. <laughs> I.E. Cassie I gotta... has so much to tell you guys, so I want to like get to it because it's a lot. Yeah, I got a little carried away. Um, you guys, with this podcast, I have been doing my best to, you know, cover topics uh, in a way that make them really relatable, you know, and really easy to understand and really fun. But there, I have cannot deny the nutrition scientist side of my brain, like the the nerdy, geeky, loves to dig into. Um, studies and medical journals and things like that, you guys. I love it. So um, this time today, we're kind of showing a little bit of that. Carissa saw my show notes, I think, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, there's so much information." <laughs> like, I promise it'll go really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so. totally good. I I think this is a great topic, and it's you know, I mean. What can I say? It's about one of my most favorite things and the life source, you know, besides water. Yeah, we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna shed some light today on caffeine, and um, I think it's I'm calling this caffeine 101. Not necessarily not not just because it's a good title, but also because it helps rein me in. Because when I wanted to start digging into some of the different um, hormones and metabolic pathways, I was like, no, no, it's caffeine 101. We'll save that for 102. <laughs> um, but anyway, so today we're just going to kind of lightly touch the full broad spectrum. What is caffeine? Where does it come from? What are the effects that it has on the body? Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the perceived health benefits? And what are some of the negative health implications? We're going to talk briefly about is it right for you? Is caffeine really right for you? Um, and then we also have a really fun caffeine challenge. So I'm excited to get to it. I'm, are you ready, Carissa? I don't want to do it. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I am, this is I no love pressure. my coffee. No, but I should. I mean, I think, I think everyone will really enjoy the challenge and it's really, it's really a good, I think it's good information gathering for yourself, which, you know, I'm always about. So I, I say that jokingly that I'm like, no, not my coffee, but you know, I think it's good to do for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be great. We're going to just, we're going to learn a lot and you're going to walk away and you're just going to have learned a lot. And that's right. all, that's so all everyone, get your cup of coffee or your tea and sit down and listen Listen in. Here we go. Here <laughs> we go. Okay, let's start with some fun facts about caffeine. Who's do, with do, do, me? Do. <laughs> Ooh, I'm excited. Okay. Okay, okay, Cassie, so where does caffeine come from? Alrighty, are you ready for the I'm list? Re I'm ready. <laughs> Wait, let me have some more of my coffee. Okay, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, everyone's ready now. All right, enough so, jokes. Let's get into it. Yes. <laughs> so one of the most direct sources is the coffee plant, the coffee plant. Um, it produces, the coffee plant produces a fruit that actually looks a lot like a cranberry. They're about the same size and um, some of them are the same color, but they contain a giant seed, which is the coffee bean. So what we do from that is we roast it, we grind it, we run it through hot water, and we extract all the tasty 
caffeinated goodness. So sources of caffeine include straight up coffee. Everyone's, uh, or at least most people's favorite. It's generally understood that a single cup of coffee contains about 100 milligrams of caffeine. So if you multiply that by two to three, like most Americans have two to three cups of coffee a day, you're at between 200 and 300 milligrams of caffeine in a day. So I think it's interesting to note too, I did some research and pulled up some of the nutrition facts from some of our most frequented brands because uh-huh. um, I think that's good relevant information. One Venti Americano from Starbucks, Americano, you know, is the water with the coffee, has 250 milligrams of caffeine. So that's about two and a half cups on average. And then a grande drip coffee, just a grande, so it's a medium from Starbucks, has about 330 milligrams of, co- of caffeine. So quite a bit. Um, an espresso is another source of caffeine, which is some people's favorite. Uh-huh. Um, note that one fluid ounce of espresso, which is um, what they call a solo, apparently, in the world of the espresso land, <laughs> um, which is an art form in and of itself, um, contains about 65 milligrams of caffeine. And then two ounces, which is a dopio, is double that. So when I order an espresso, I usually order a double. Um, and that would be, you know, about 130 milligrams of caffeine, which is slightly more than maybe one cup of coffee. And all of these amounts, bear in mind, are going to vary depending on the beans, how you brew it, all that stuff. So please take all of these numbers with a grain of salt. That's why I'm giving you numbers from restaurants, um, because they're just easier to rely upon because the coffee you brew at home is going to be very different. Um, some other sources, soda, or pop, cola, and non-cola sodas um, are also sources of caffeine, obviously. Everybody probably mm-hmm. knows that. Um, and Coca-Cola, just for some reference, contains about 35 milligram- milligrams of caffeine, while some sneakier brands like Sunkist, you know, the orange soda, uh, contains over 40 milligrams of caffeine. Whenever I think of orange soda... I don't know about you, but I think of Keenan and Kel. Do you remember that from Nickelodeon days? No. By chance? Oh, my gosh. It was so funny. Who loves orange soda? Kel loves orange soda. Anyways, okay. Um, About five people understood that. That's okay. Okay. You should put, like, a link in the show notes to, like, a little video clip. Oh, I will. So we can see what you're talking about. Keenan and Kel. (laughs) Kel, I don't know how to say his name. Okay. Um, Diet Cola is also a source of caffeine. And I think it's interesting to know this. Some of you probably already know this. Um, Some of you, I know that many of you listening to this don't drink soda for a lot of these reasons, but I think it's it's good to cover because some of you may be listening and you are a soda drinker. Um, So at least this is some good information for you. I think it's interesting to note that in the world of diet cola, if they're not going to get you addicted to the sugar found in regular Coke, although some can argue you know, that the addictive pathways stimulated by artificial sweeteners are the same regardless of whether it's real or fake sugar. Um, if they can't get you addicted to the real sugar, they're going to get you addicted with more caffeine. And then on also footnote, and incidentally more salt, but we'll save that for another show. Um, so Diet Coke, which, and I'm just using this to zero in on one brand, because they all do it, but Diet Coke contains over 46 milligrams of caffeine, while regular soda only has 35. Wow. So I think 
that's pretty interesting. Other sources of caffeine, tea, a lot of people's favorites. Black tea contains an average of 30 to 45 milligrams, um, which is about a third of that in a cup of coffee. Um, green tea, about 25. Um, and then, of course, if you're drinking tea that has it on the box as naturally caffeine-free, then it will have zero milligrams. Um, and all these, again, numbers will vary. Pete's green tea apparently has 33 milligrams. And Starbucks Venti Iced Green Tea, which is what I – if I'm going on a road trip, <laughs> I'm driving through Starbucks and I'm getting a Venti Iced Unsweet Green Tea. It has a little bit over 60 milligrams. So there's all that. Uh, moving on <laughs> down the list, sources of caffeine. I just think it's so interesting. I hope I'm not boring you guys. I just love stuff like this. No, um, it's really interesting to hear, you know, because we – we quote unquote know this stuff, right? Like we, we realize it, but I think it's good to actually hear it because it's like, Oh, I have way more caffeine in my life than I actually think I do. You know, totally, totally. Or not as much as you think. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, so no, I was talking about for me personally. I, I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> this, this podcast um, is actually an intervention for Carissa. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, that's secretly Funny. the whole reason we set it up. Just <laughs> right. Um, okay, caffeine pills obviously have caffeine in them. Um, do you remember the days of no-dose by chance? Oh, of uh, course. Yeah. Yeah. I Ugh. totally, uh, moment of honesty here, took those in college. And um, I, because I wanted to, I, I was like, I just got to stay up and study. Yeah. And because when you're in college and you're desperate to just do your best, you kind of take some desperate measures. And that was that was my desperate measure. And one, a single one of those no-dose pills has 200 milligrams of caffeine, which is pretty yucky. And I was taking um, like a couple of them a night during some finals weeks. And I wound up with some fibroids um, in like my breast tissue that were really painful. Um, mm -hmm. and as soon as I stopped the caffeine and I went completely caffeine free, they eventually went away. So that's interesting. Um, what about chocolate? Doesn't chocolate have caffeine in it? Uh, despite a lot of popular thought and almost all of Google, <laughs> um, chocolate may contain trace amounts of caffeine, but the primary stimulant, so to speak, that's responsible for making us have that same feel from it mm -hmm. is called theobromine. And theobromine is kind of the chocolate caffeine and it comes from the cocoa plant. So all of, all of chocolate, cocoa powder, the bars of chocolate, um, that make you feel kind of jittery, uh, it's because of theobromine. Hmm. And I won't jump into a, I really want to talk more about that, but <laughs> I have a lot more notes, but I'm going to move on. Um, okay. So what about decaf coffee? Does geek decaf coffee have caffeine? And you bet your bippy, it sure does. Um, <laughs> which I think is interesting because when I went caffeine free, I remember I like when, when you have the habit of drinking coffee, you don't want to give that up. You love the taste. You love the mm -hmm. ritual morning hot cup of yumminess. It smells so good. And then I remember I turned to caffeine or to decaf coffee and I realized after several months of that, that it has a cup of uh, decaf coffee has almost 25 milligrams, which is as much as some teas. Um, so it's just interesting to note. It definitely has less. It's got a you know, a quarter the amount as normal cup of coffee, but it's still in there. Still, um, yeah. And I think it's also interesting to note that if you're drinking decaf coffee, I think 
decaf coffee definitely has a place, just like I said before, if you're looking for the ritual and you're not really concerned about, you're not doing it necessarily for the health benefits, Mm -hmm. you know, because you think less caffeine would be better for you and maybe decaf is healthier. Because arguably it's not. The process of decaffeinating coffee, which is kind of a really um, rough and, I don't know, it's it's an interesting process. Google it because I'm going to save us time today and I'll talk about it right now. Um, But it actually also strips some of of the arguable health benefits of coffee from the coffee bean, being those um, polyphenol antioxidants. So that's just interesting to note. Okay, and then lastly, other sources of caffeine, a random list, rapid fire, I'm going to go through them, include some medications, pain relievers, um, like, you know, those over-the-counter migraine uh, pills. Yeah. Some of them can have over 100 milligrams on average, and we'll talk about why about that in a second. Diet pills, which are really just appetite suppressants, one called well, maybe I shouldn't name it. I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, <laughs> Xantrex 3 contains over 1,200 milligrams of caffeine. Holy smokes. Which is essentially 12 cups of coffee. So that's interesting. Um, most of the, quote, health waters out there, you know, like vitamin waters and Ugh. all those that have the Don't word energy. Don't get started on, on those. <laughs> I know. Um, but ones that say have the word energy on them have caffeine in them. Some foods, like uh, one out there called perky jerky, which I know has circulated in the paleo world, contains actually over 70 milligrams of caffeine. Um, There's some chewy gums out there for caffeine, and then there's other lotions and beauty products. So just it's everywhere, you guys, and it all mostly comes from that little coffee plant and those little um, red beans that look like cranberries. So now that we've gotten through... All of that, and we understand where all (laughs) this caffeine in our lives is coming from and kind of taking, like, some mental notes and being like, okay, all right, kind of getting a list in my head. I'm like, oh, no, I'm sure other people are as well. So how does caffeine work in our bodies? Okay, are you ready to get science i I'm I'm ready for you to get science-y. (laughs) I'm so excited. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm ready to listen and absorb the information. So I'm excited. (laughs) Okay, good. Okay. So I want to start off by saying there is so much about the human body, especially the brain that we do not understand. Um, it's, it is essentially, you know, like uncharted territory, a lot of it, you know, we, it's interesting that we walk around with this. We have all of these amazing tools at our disposal in modern science and technology. Um, and there's still so much we don't understand. So what I've gathered here is a quick summary. It's kind of like one perspective. If you're standing on the outside looking in, this is just one perspective of an easy way to explain caffeine's effect on the body. But there's a lot of other ways we can talk about it. I just had to pick one. Okay. Um, and this is, this is as much as we know right now. So to the brain, caffeine looks a lot like a compound called adenosine. And adenosine is it's an inhibitory neurotransmitter which, when attached to its own very special receptor on a nerve ending, tells the neurons to slow down. So when adenosine is attached to the nerve ending, it tells a neuron to slow down. So once a neuron's, quote, action potential, meaning kind of its activity level, drops below a certain threshold, it doesn't excite its nearby neurons. So adenosine attaches to its special receptor, 
it calms that neuron down and then the 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 cyst all the other neurons nearby kind of start to also calm down because they calm down because they're not being excited right what happens is when you, we consume caffeine caffeine looks a lot like adenosine but it essentially has the opposite effect what caffeine does is it binds to those special receptors and it kind of mocks, you know, mocking what adenosine does. But because, because adenosine cannot reach its own receptors and signal everything to slow down, the neurons will start to speed up because caffeine is blocking it. Okay. So one way that we can think about this is, and it's an analogy I read somewhere, um, and I think it applies really, really well. It's not that when we consume caffeine that it presses on the gas, right? It's not that it increases okay. the gas and makes us go faster. It just, it takes our foot off the brake and our bodies naturally start to speed up. Okay. There's a whole lot I could talk about adenosine, but I'm going to hold off for now. Um, so does, is that kind of clear, Carissa? Yes. Okay. So that's kind of what happens. Our bodies start to speed up because adenosine cannot reach its receptors until things to slow down and like kind of take things at a nice normal pace. So what happens the absence of those slowdown signals from adenosine, dopamine and glutamine, glutamate, excuse me, start to have a ball. And they're, they like now have free run of things and they start to make things go a lot faster, so to speak, and make us feel more excited. And then what happens is the pituitary gland uh, starts to recognize all of this action and thinks that the body is under some state of an emergency, right? Emergency! Oh my goodness, what's going on? And so as a result, it starts to do its job and releases adrenaline. Adrenaline is that hormone that we all are familiar with that causes, you know, the body's heart rate to increase. The liver starts to um, release more sugar into the bloodstream for energy. Muscles tighten and then blood vessels start to constrict. And the purpose of that is to allow more blood flow to your muscles. So it's kind of that flight or fight um, response that our body goes into. The pituitary gland is like, oh my goodness, we are, are the neurons are on like overdrive. We're firing. The glutamate and dopamine are having a ball up there. There must be some major stimulus going on and we need to get ready to either fight or flight. So that's why when you drink coffee, caffeine, tea, whatever it is, or at least a lot of it, your hands kind of start to feel a little bit colder and it's because your blood vessels start to constrict, um, your heart rate starts to increase and that's because of all of these things. It's a, it's a really complicated chain of reaction. Um, I hope I summarized it well and I left off some big stuff. So if you are super sciencey and you're listening to this, um, give, I hope you have some grace with me. Um, okay, so that's, that's, that's pretty much the summary. So just remember, caffeine doesn't necessarily speed you up. It just tells your body to stop slowing down. Right. Okay. And then another thing that I can touch on here briefly is what happens is throughout the day, our body produces that neurotransmitter or excuse me, neuroinhibitor adenosine. We naturally produce that as a result of working and thinking in our, and, and our neurons firing throughout the day, that's how we produce that inhibitory neurotransmitter. And so it builds up as the day goes on. And workouts also increase more of it because those neurons are firing, right? And so what happens is your body starts to notice levels of adenosine 
based on how they attach those transmitters. And that's when it starts to tell you to slow down more and more and more. So when you get towards the end of the day, you start to get sleepier and sleepier, more tired and more relaxed, and your blood vessels start to dilate so that it allows more oxygen into your bloodstream as you start to prepare for sleep. And so that that's why we have adenosine in our in our body is to kind of help with that internal clock, so to speak. And so what caffeine does is it tells your body to like in the morning to wake up really quickly. We're going to inhibit that um, that slowdown signal from adenosine. We're going to wake up quickly. And then people who drink it later in the day, it keeps their body from ever starting to slowly, gradually wind down for sleep and to start to feel tired. Gotcha. Okay. So there we go. Um, some of the perceived health benefits of caffeine. So coffee, for example... Um, has some polyphenol antioxidants. They are known to be cancer-fighting, anti-inflammatory, of course, antioxidants, uh, promote heart health, and have some other varied benefits. I don't really want to dive too deeply into these because, you know, you see those articles that talk about, oh, the top 10 health benefits for red <laughs> wine. And then all of a sudden people are like, well, I got to start drinking red wine every day because it's healthy for me. I don't right. really want to touch on it, you know. <laughs> I think coffee is... I, have, I don't want to demonize it. I think it's great to be enjoyed on occasion, um, but I don't want people to be thinking and confused that it's a health food. Right. Uh, caffeine can help reduce headaches, and the, the way it does that is, it, like we said before, you know, the effect of the, um, the release of adrenaline causes your blood vessels to constrict. That, um, that's essentially what happens with when you have a headache is it helps your blood vessels constrict and just kind of I mean, there's a whole lot more to it, but that it just makes you feel better. Um, and then another perceived benefit of caffeine is it helps you work necessarily smarter. Okay, so think about that. It doesn't necessarily make you better at what you're doing, but it will make you faster <laughs> at whatever you're doing. So think about that when you're trying to choose tasks to unleash your caffeine on. Okay. Um, some of the potential dangers of caffeine moving right along. Okay, obviously it will inhibit sleep. If, it do, if your body is never allowed to really slow down, right, and right. start to put that break back on, that natural break, um, then you're going to have a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep. So I like to say a good rule of thumb is try to only consume caffeine in the a.m. hours. Okay, that's just one of my... That's, that's a rule that I, I abide by unless I have a long road trip and I really want me some green tea. Yep. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind is if you have trouble staying asleep or falling asleep, maybe try to limit caffeine to the a.m. hours. Caffeine can also promote anxiety. If you're generally an anxious person, uh, it, it maybe, maybe try going caffeine, and we'll talk about the challenge in a little bit, but try going caffeine-free for a little bit and see what happens. Um, and then... It will elevate cortisol levels in habitual coffee drinkers, and, and that can result in a myriad of other problems. It really kind of messes with the body's clock like we talked about before, and uh, as a whole other can of worms. We'll save that for caffeine 102. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, it can cause heartburn. And I really want to touch on this briefly because I think it's fun slash important to note that so how the the way that coffee can promote heartburn is it increases the secretion of gastric acid that's stomach acid you know that hcl in our tummy um 
And this can be a sign when you have heartburn after you drink coffee, it can be a sign of essentially one of three things. One, you either just need to eat something when you're drinking coffee um, because of the thing I'm about to talk about, but it could be a simple, the fix could be as simple as that. Just make sure you're eating something if you're having heartburn. Um, you could have drink, you could be drinking too much coffee and that is a, and the heartburn is a result again of what I'm about to talk about. Or it could be a sign that your gallbladder is not producing enough bile salts to neutralize the chyme and that is just like essentially your, your stomach acid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what happens is, uh, so chyme is just the gastric juices that flow from the stomach into the, intest- into the intestines. And what happens is when we got a lot of that, the gallbladder tries to produce these bile salts to help neutralize it. And when we produce too much stomach acid, the gallbladder is kind of like overwhelmed. It's like, girlfriend, I'm over here. I'm doing my best and you're not giving me a chance. And so <laughs> if we eat something, it kind of helps reduce that stomach acid if we reduce the amount of coffee we're drinking, it helps reduce that stomach acid. Yeah. Also, I think it's kind of – it could be a signal that if you experience heartburn when you drink coffee, whether you are eating it with food or whether you are just – you're not drinking a whole lot of it, it could potentially be a sign of metabolic syndrome. And if you're suspect that that might be something going on, I think that's something to look at yeah. because uh, metabolic syndrome – one of the early or one of the markers is an underfunctioning gallbladder. So just and I know put that for, in your back pocket. For me personally, so there are if I have too much caffeine in a day, I can tell because I just don't feel well. You know, I will get like you said, higher anxiety. Sometimes I'll get like shaky. Um, and then I just kind of have an unsettled feeling. I can't calm down. I feel like I have to do something and I do not like that feeling. So because I, I know what that feels like and I don't like it, I do keep my coffee, um, at a level. But with that being said, like your body can adjust, right? So totally, um, you know, I may not be doing my body justice. My body just may be used to the amount of caffeine I am inputting into it. So that's, um, I don't know, I find that stuff interesting. That's a really great point, Carissa. Your body, your body can adjust to it and your, your, your cortisol response to drinking coffee can kind of level out over time. So let's say if you have two to three cups of coffee every single day and you've had it every single day for the past year, you might be thinking, and some people say this, they're like, coffee just doesn't affect me as much anymore. Right. And that's actually true. You're exactly right. It doesn't. Your cortisol response to coffee, your body has learned to adapt because that's that's what we do. That's how we survive in this modern world that's got all these toxins and crazy things around us as we adapt. Yep. So that's essentially what's happened. But that does not mean that you're immune to those cord- those negative cortisol effects. They're there. They're just kind of mitigated because your body has figured out a way to kind of get by. Right. So as we look at all of this information, um, <clears throat> how do we know, like, if caffeine is something that we should do or shouldn't do because like you said it's it's not something we should demonize it's something if you enjoy but it's also you know not the miracle health cure so how you know how do you determine that yeah I that's a great question um 
I think you need to ask yourself or you can ask yourself. I'll, I'll, I'll make it, I'll make it <laughs> less scary. Um, you can ask yourself, are you generally and easily stressed out? Because habitual coffee drinkers, although like we just talked about, they have adapted their cortisol response to daily coffee, they tend to be more sensitive to singular bursts of friction. So if you get a stressful phone call or a stressful email and all of a sudden it puts you into some sort of an anxiety downward spiral um, and you're a habitual coffee drinker, it, it could be that that you would be able to handle those situations uh, more calmly and more easily maybe if you didn't have as high of a caffeine intake. Um, so that's something to think about. Um, is caffeine right for you if you are celiac or you have a gluten sensitivity? Remember that coffee is considered a cross-reactive food and can contribute to chronic inflammation. So if that's something that you're dealing with and that's, you know, it, it could very much be a, uh, I guess I can roughly put it as a health inhibitor. Um, so just keep that in mind. Again, it's just like drinking a glass of wine. It's, it's not, I would, it's, we're not going to talk about the health benefits. It's fine if you want to have some, but just know that if you're trying to achieve some major healing milestones, yeah. coffee isn't necessarily going to help you. Nah. Um, if you're trying to lose weight and heal your gut, this it may not be a great avenue. Pick it up once you've reached your goals. You know, that's something to think about. Right. And I think it's important to note that the name of this paleo, grain-free, <laughs> crap-free lifestyle, the name of the game is to reduce inflammation, Right. right. And by reducing inflammation, we give our bodies – this is something I talk about a lot in the, in the Fed and Fit Project – but we're giving our bodies the absolute best fighting chance to heal from the inside out. And although coffee will suppress your appetite, just like those diet pills we talked about before, and people might think that that's really attractive because they're not eating as much, so they calorie restrict themselves into losing weight, it will not help you heal. So just something to consider. Okay. Okay. So last bit. So today, instead of doing our Fed and Fit segment, um, although we have run over, we say we're going to do a 30-minute podcast and it doesn't always happen, but we have we so much good information for you today. We had to fit it all in there. So instead of doing our Fed and Fit segment, Cassie has created a caffeine challenge. Now, I am going to do it because I am a co-host and I feel like it's part of my duty to donate my body to science (laughs) and figure this stuff out. No, it's really, it's a really good thing to do. So I hope everyone joins um, me in on this challenge because I, I need this stuff. So like I said, this whole podcast is an intervention for me for sure. But so Cassie, tell us what is your caffeine challenge? What do do I have to do? Okay, so the caffeine challenge. What have I got myself into? (gasps) Oh, it's easier than you think. I'm so glad you did it. So (laughs) my caffeine challenge, and you guys, this is something that I do on a pretty regular basis. I have been completely caffeine-free several times, and I've also been like uh, one to eventually two to eventually three cups of coffee a day type drinker. So this is a good thing to do every once in a while. Kind of think of it as a caffeine detox, so to speak, though I kind of hate the word detox. Okay, So the challenge, for one week, I want you to continue your current caffeine habits. So keep drinking coffee and tea the way that you like to drink coffee and tea. 
and journal how you feel for seven whole days, for one whole week. Write how much you had and then kind of how you're feeling throughout the day. Write how you're feeling mid-morning, around lunchtime, around dinnertime, how you slept every single day for one whole week. And then as soon as that week is over, I want you to think about Try to pick your level of involvement here, but either reduce your caffeine intake by half or eliminate it altogether. Oof. And you're going to have a couple of days of withdrawal. So just keep bear that in mind. There's going to be a couple of days where you're probably going to have major headaches and some other symptoms. You may yeah. experience some slow, tr- slower transit times if you depend on coffee <laughs> in the morning to help get things going. The reason they get things going is because it increases the stomach acid like we talked about before. So if, if that's an issue, drink some lemon water in the morning if you decide to go coffee-free, caffeine-free for a little while um, to help with that. But... Um, Reduce it or eliminate it altogether. Give yourself a couple days to heal and get over that detox. And then I want you to journal for another five to seven days how you're feeling. Okay. I want you still to do like energy levels in the morning, afternoon, evening, and how you're sleeping. And then what you can do at the end of this two week challenge is sit down with your your notes before and your notes after giving it up and compare them side by side and see how you feel. If there isn't a huge difference, then you know that caffeine maybe doesn't have a huge impact on you. Because it does. It affects different people differently. So Mm -hmm. it's important to always remember with all of these things, just because we're saying all of these generalizations about caffeine and how the body processes them and how it works, that doesn't mean that it's going to manifest the same in different people. So this is the only way to know is you got to test it for yourself. Look at your notes side by side, see how you respond. If you realize that you feel like you are doing awesome without caffeine, at the end of that last week without it, you're fully recovered from the detox, your productivity is through the roof, you're sleeping like a baby, maybe that's something to consider. Is that morning cup of joe worth that trade-off every once in a while. And that's a call that, that's a decision that only you can make. Um, so yeah, there you go. That's my challenge. I, I encourage you all to, to kind of take a critical look at that. your coffee intake. That's doable. I can do that. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much um, for sticking with me <laughs> through all this nerdy talk. If you enjoyed this, I would just love to do a little market research here. If you enjoyed this episode, um, particularly, let me know. Uh, either in the show notes, copy that the show notes I'm talking about the blog post that actually shows up on fedandfit.com um, or via social media. Let me know if you enjoyed this kind of nerdier, a little bit more sciencey talk um, because we can do more stuff like this in the future or we can keep it a little bit lighter like we did last week when we talked about busy. So uh, definitely give us some feedback. Thanks again for listening and we will be back again next week. <laughs>